Greetings, listeners, hearers, auditors, attenders, and perceivers. You see that? This is a special intro this week. A um, little bit different this week. Prepare yourselves, because we get into it. For the first, I don't know, 30 minutes of this week's episode, I'm solo, because Grant has a life, and I do not. Grant is with recent child. Very recent. Still gooey. Um... So he's busy with that, fine, I guess. So I talk to myself and to you for the first, I don't know, half hour of today's episode. I talk Ranking of Kings, Mob Psycho, and my take on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series finale. Um, There will be a much more in-depth series finale uh, when Grant and I are reunited in an episode coming soon. Um, But I do briefly mention kind of what my thoughts were on it. Um, I also cover, you know, some industry news, Dragon Ball stuff, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I lastly, I talk about Ted Chiang and his book of short stories, one of which um, was adapted into the movie you may know and love called Arrival. Um, and then I'm joined by my first ever guest and girlfriend on the podcast. Not first girlfriend, my first guest. You know what? Interpret that how you like. Um, at about the 30 minute mark, she joins and we talk a bunch of stuff. We talk Castlevania, Attack on Titan, we get into the boys. And when I say we get into the boys, we get into it around 40 minutes. We talk for about 20 minutes and I'm talking the 40 minute mark of this podcast. Brace yourself for that because there are spoilers up to season three, episode seven. Um, at the time of this recording, their series finale isn't out yet. Um, But we talk in depth about like all the themes of the show. We mention specific moments in every in several of the episodes in season three. So just if you're like not caught up and you care about that kind of thing, fast forward 20 minutes because the last, you know, I don't know, 15 minutes of this podcast, we talk about season three of Barry and we're only four episodes into that. um, But we have a good conversation just about, you know, where is the show going? This is a little bit different than what we're used to. Um, so yeah, enjoy. Thank you for listening. We'll be back very soon. It's me. It's your boy Dave. Back at it again with the white bands. Um, this week's gonna be a little bit different. As you may or may not have noticed, Grant, more silent than usual. Let's be honest, if he was here, you would hear him. Um, change up this week. I'm gonna be doing a bit of a solo podcast episode. I'm gonna talk about some anime things, some Star Wars things among some other news and then we're going to be joined by a surprise guest who i may have already introduced in the intro that i've yet to record future dave has solved that for you he's past dave though time loops or perspectives okay i'm not going to overthink it i'll get stuck um anyway so i want to start off this week by talking about two different animes Because I feel like they're similar in that they have both received a lot of critical acclaim. And one of them I get, and one of them I just don't. And I feel like, 
if you're listening to this, you probably have had that experience where like sometimes there's just something that is so widely acclaimed and loved by everyone and you just don't get a, a real world example for me is Drake, Drake's music. I just don't get it. And I know that like Drake's not the problem. Everybody else loves him. It's me. I don't get it. Maybe it's like I, that whole genre. That's not true. I like lots of people in that genre. There's just something about him. Something about the music he produces does not jive with me. Anyway, thanks for coming to the Drake podcast. No, okay, all jokes aside. Ranking of Kings. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that Grant loves this. I think Vivian does as well. Um, I think they both put it on their top five for 2021. I've also been recommended this anime uh, by listeners, a bunch, by friends, a bunch. Here's my beef with Ranking of Kings. I think it's great ish. I mean, if I thought it was great, I wouldn't have started the podcast this way. I think what I mean to say is I think I get while people why people like it. I think I see the pieces. I just can't put them together. Um, the story doesn't really seem to be the problem. I think it's engaging the protagonist. While like it's a different type of protagonist, I think there's lots of cool stories to t- tell there. There's lots of heart. Here's my beef. I think it's the animation. I just, like, I can't get past the art direction. I can't, like, it's so cartoony and so, um, I don't know, childish and wholesome looking. I'm, again, I'm speaking just strictly about, like, the way it looks. That, like, it's just hard for me to take seriously. And this is, I'm speaking as a guy who has a podcast about anime. You know what I mean? About cartoons. Like, I think it's a stretch for me to be like, oh, you know, I I can't take it seriously. I don't know. You know, I, I, a bunch of anime out there looks ridiculous. Um, as like a note on that point, I also always felt the way that way about South Park. I get it. Not an anime. Relax. But like South Park is or was this like incredibly relevant pop culture thing with comedy and all that stuff that people have loved for a really long time. Anytime I watch it, I'm so distracted by their animation choices that I just like, I just can't. I can't engage with it. It confuses me. I don't know. If you've had this problem with Ranking of Kings, let me know. Um, Did you just get past it? Do you just swallow it and just like say, screw it and watch it anyway? I'll end up finishing this. I know I will. I'm on episode 12. I think it's like, it's turned into more or less an ensemble anime at this point. Miranjo, the mirror later, mirror lady is leading like a coup. Boji has finished his training arc with, was it Despa? Um, And they're on their way to the castle to kind of fight all these villains that have showed up. An imprisoned boss who's inside the body of his son, voiced by Aaron Yeager. I don't know. There's a lot of missing, moving pieces, rather. Um, And I, like, I get it. I think it's... uh, it's, it's well done. The story is well done. I just, it feels like homework when I try to watch it. Have you felt that way about a critically acclaimed anime? And if so, let me know and, uh, or let us know on the socials and perhaps we'll bring it up in the weeks to come. Um, should I have brought up why Grant isn't here? Future Dave will have said that in the intro to you. That's past Dave. Okay. Um, I said I wanted to talk to you about two animes, 
The second one, Mob Psycho. I don't know how, but I took a year-plus-long break on Mob Psycho between seasons one and two. Like, and both of them were fully out before I started watching uh, at all. So, you know, that's the point. Um, Grant, obviously huge fan of Mob Psycho. I believe season three comes out in October of this year. So it's probably safe to say that we will cover it in one way, shape, or form um, on this podcast. I don't know if it'll be like a dedicated show week to week or what, or if that makes more sense to just sort of chat about on the post show. But here's the thing with Mob Psycho, is that I think the story is great, but ironically, I have like the inverse problem with Mob Psycho that I have with the ranking of kings. And I'm not coming out being like, oh, Mob Psycho is mid. I'm not saying that. I think its story is good, probably above average. Um, but when they decide to like go for those big Sakuga moments and they like do the whole brushstroke animation thing or any time Mob reaches 100%, they get to have all this fun with animation. It's so absurdly good and so different to anything that I've seen that it like redoubles my interest in the show. Like every single time they do that, I'm just like, man, I, I can't believe that this show isn't, you know, that I'm only getting around to this now because I was going to say, I can't believe it's not big, but I'm pretty sure Mob Psycho is immensely popular. Um, correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I think it's probably like top, you know, whenever it's airing, it's probably like the biggest thing um, that airs at that time. I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see how um, season three goes in the second half of this year. I'm only two episodes or three episodes into season two. It's fun. I think I had a close friend of mine tell me that it was a bit of a drop-off, similar to, like, One Punch Man season two. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. It's not mine, so don't come for me. Um, But feel free to let us know if you think Mob Psycho season two is as good or better or worse um, as season one. I'm kind of here mostly for the the amazing animation, but you have to give it to the show. I think it they also have a lot of heart. Um, the dynamic between Mob and Reagan is kind of like the heart of the show. But they've got like a fun little ensemble cast. I think what, you know, Ritsu and the Blob, the Green Goo. Don't come for me. I don't know all the names. Okay. What's next? We haven't recorded because I think, you know, we skipped last week um, for reasons potentially mentioned by Future Dave in the intro. Um... So we haven't recorded a podcast since Kenobi ended, and that's a really big one. I mean, you know, for Star Wars fans, for us, for myself, for Grant, if you're, you know, a longtime listener of the podcast, you'll know that Grant is kind of the Star Wars expert slash aficionado between the two of us. I've seen, like, basically, if it's been in theaters, I've seen it. Um, You know, I haven't been huge on... You know, I, I love The Mandalorian. I think everybody does. Um, I didn't bother with Boba Fett. I don't even think I've seen the Han Solo movie. So, and I've seen zero. I haven't seen a single episode of any of the animated series that they've done. And I know that's like a plethora of stuff. So I'm missing a lot, especially because all that stuff is apparently canon. So, you know, in Mandalorian... In Kenobi, for example, there's like a ton of referential material that just goes right over my head and that Grant has to explain to me or salty subreddits. 
Speaking of which, salty subreddits. I think it's fair to say, I'm going to give you like some of my biggest takeaways from the Kenobi finale, but this is definitely not the end of our coverage. You know, I think for like a really fair, long form review, Grant has to be here. Um, we have to kind of talk it up between us because I have no idea how he feels about it. And I'm really curious to see how he feels because, you know, the that finale was something, you know, spoiler warning, a mild one, I suppose, for Kenobi, um, the series in its entirety. It's been out for a little while. It's been finished for a little while. Um, but I'm going to give you kind of like my quick take on it, what I think, um, and like, I don't know, maybe like a loose rating or something. And then we're going to get into the nitty gritty um, when Grant and I are reunited. We'll get into it in a little bit more detail. Okay. Um, I think all in all, Kenobi was good. I think, you know, we've talked about this on the podcast as well. Um, a lot of fan bases suffer from toxicity. It seems like Star Wars is slightly more plagued than others. Um, I don't, you know, I'm sure we could speculate as to why that is. Um, but like, if we take away <laughs> all that, because to me, this show kind of exists in a vacuum because I'm not this huge Star Wars fanatic and I'm not, you know, on the discussion boards like we are for some of the anime, like Attack on Titan that we're really in love with. So I'm just going to give you my take without like the weight of a thousand salty fans. Um, I think it was good. I think it was more good than bad, but I do think it was close. Um... I think the main thing with a Disney Plus series that we're learning is that even though on an episode-by-episode basis, they are still the most expensive television being made, they're still not movies. And no matter what audiences can do to prepare themselves for that, it's still a completely different medium, it's long form, and even all of the episodes combined add up to a relatively small movie budget. Um, it's hard to ignore the budget issues that are very clear throughout the series when you're used to seeing Ewan McGregor on screen in a $150 million movie, and this is not that. Um, and also sometimes, you know, I'm not speaking about Kenobi in this uh, scenario. I think you've heard my take on some of the Disney Plus series. I think another problem you get when you move t or movie characters over to TV and I'm saying this not to be a prick, but just to be frank, like you sometimes get the B team because, I don't know, David Fincher doesn't want to do eight episodes of TV. I mean, not that you could get him to do a MCU film or a Disney movie uh, or a Star Wars movie to begin with. And don't say he does Mindhunter. That shit doesn't count. He directed one episode and show ran the entire thing. Okay, I'm straying from the point. So this is why I need Grant. Okay, uh, anyway, so the medium is different. Everything has changed, and I think we got the B-team maybe a little bit. Um, I want to zero in on Reva. I think the third sister is responsible for what? I don't know, 80% of the angst on the internet. Shocker, the internet is angry. Um, but I think I want to talk about Reyes, Reva's arc, Leia's arc, Kenobi himself, and Vader. And I'm going to do it fairly quickly. Um, I feel like Kenobi's had the best arc. We get to see a dejected 
Obi-Wan kind of go through, it's not really a coming of age, it's more of him fighting his PTSD and his depression and his grief, which he later turns into shock. And we get to see him kind of come back to life and, you know, sort of settle into who um, Alec Guinness eventually portrays in episode four. And I think that that arc was handled by and large mostly well. I think Vader is the second best part of it, or maybe the best part of it, if you want to have that argument. I mean, they're very clearly trying to play off the duality of the two characters and their relationship. Those moments are the best parts of the show. Um, Specifically, the best part of the show being the final scene in the finale between the two of them. That, to me, I think, I won't state it, but I think you could make an argument that that conclusion between the two of them rivals the one done in the third episode of Star Wars. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I think that if Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series land, you know, really struck the landing on anything, it was the ending that of, you know, of the conclusion to their relationship and the journey that they went through together in this series. I think that was by far the best part. The Hayden Christensen, James Earl Jones voice mix, beautifully done, genius, you know, it was so cool to see Hayden Christensen get a chance to really do Vader justice or, or to show audiences this form of Vader. You know, I bet Grant, if he were here and we're going to talk about it more when I see him is that we've never really seen Vader like this. And that's so cool. Um, we've never really seen him at the height of his powers. We had like that teasing moment in rogue one and it was so frightening and so fantastic that you know, we wanted to, they wanted to expand on that and audiences are super hungry for stuff like that. So I think they nailed all that. I think, um, my two biggest problems are with Reva and Leia in, in that order. Um, Leia first, I think it was like actually kind of a good twist that this wasn't like about Luke and, uh, Kenobi and that like Luke was not really in the show. I like that Leia's childhood was explored. I think the idea is great. Um, I appreciate that the journey of the show um gives adult leia in episode four a reason to think of obi-wan kenobi as a reliable person in a last resort um i think you know i think all of that worked well what i don't think worked well were like the toddler chase scenes i think she uh while the child actor did a great job they gave her way too many lines i think like for her to have as much dialogue as she did and to expect it all to land is just silly so i think it's just a silly writing choice but I like the relationship. I like the journey. So, you know, that's more of a nitpick than anything. Reva, I think, is the biggest part of the show. Um, And I don't think that's a hot take. I think that, you know, obviously, like, the harassment and the racism that the actress Moses is getting um, because of that is absurd and laughable. But, like I said, fucking Star Wars uh, fans... So yeah, I mean, there's there's no excuse to start at, you know attacking writers and actors for portraying you know a character that you're not happy with, but the point stands. I think, and this is speculation. My guess is that Rava's character is there <laughs> to fill the page <laughs> or the screen because you can't have Owen uh, or Ewan on screen at all times, and you can't do too much Vader either because he's kind of like. Um, a nuclear deterrent or you don't want to use you can't just do six hours of a vader show either because he's had such little screen time historically i think you have to use him sparingly like a really good spice analogies um but i like rave is meant to be this foil 
to Obi-Wan. Um, and she's also meant to illustrate this whole side story or this angle of the story that represents the Inquisitors. And I know that that's a big thing in the canon as well that people were anxious to see. I know very little about it. I think it was handled okay. Um, I don't know. It's just that, you know, I, I think the writing was probably the biggest problem. I think the dialogue falls flat. Frankly, sometimes so does the performance. But it's also one of those things where I think the actor's kind of trying to make a silk purse out of a bit of a pig's ear. And we're stretching, you know what I mean? Like, the chase scenes, the character motivation. I mean, I appreciate that there were twists and turns, and Vader was kind of the puppeteer master at the end of it all. Like, that was cool. It's just like the ending to that story, I guess, was satisfying. You know what I mean? Like... It, was that in your prediction list, if you're a huge Star Wars fan, for what was going to happen in Kenobi? That a Sith Inquisitor shows up on Tatooine and chases Luke through the woods or through the desert and, you know, his aunt and uncle are actually badasses and man, like, I don't know. It, I just was watching this scene and I was like, what, what are we doing here? You know, in true part-time otaku um, tone, what are we doing here? I don't know. I, di I didn't love that. I, I just thought it was kind of weak and I don't know. I much rather would have seen uh, Wade and his amazing journey for six episodes because R.I.P. Wade, man, you know, I'm kidding. That was fucking absurd. Um, but yeah, I think this is uh, more of a writing problem. I think they don't they didn't know what to do to present Obi-Wan with a decent foil or I don't know, you know, Grant had a theory last time we talked on the podcast about like, geez, maybe there this was a bit of a plant and they were trying to set up her for her own series. I mean, maybe that would work better. Um, but I think that the character was simply misplaced in this story. Maybe her own story, ironically, <laughs> maybe as a youngling to where she is now would have been better as her as the protagonist. Um, but but I don't know. I think they kind of burned that, burned that character and did her a little bit dirty. Okay, um, I'm not going to give this a 1 to 10 rating. I'm going to wait to do that with Grant. Okay, so tune back in. He's going to have answers to all my complaints, or he's going to have a take on it. So what do you want? Okay, last thing before I bring on our guest. And be excited. Um, I'm midway through a book right now by Ted Chang called Stories of Your Life and Others. It's a book of short stories. Um, stories of Your Life is a short story that he wrote that was later adapted to a screenplay for the movie Arrival, directed by Denis, Dilne uh, Denis Villeneuve, starring Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Um, it's one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. I think at the time it was going up against like another quote space movie, which was like just a summer blockbuster blockbuster. Was it called like passengers or something? I think it was with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence and it bombed. I never saw it. Shocker. Um, but I think like it was going up against that marketing machine and then everybody saw Arrival and I was like, wait a minute, this like movie with a much smaller marketing budget is a billion times better. Or maybe that's just revisionist history and I'm remembering it that way because that's how I felt. Um, but I just wanted to mention this because one, I love that movie so much um, that I decided to read 
this guy's book of short stories, which are so fantastic. They are all sci-fi based. So if you're into that kind of thing, check it out. Ted Chang, Stories of Your Life. Give it a goog. Give it a goog. Um, that I I just had to I had to mention it. Ted Chang has this really good quote that I'm going to butcher because I'm going to try and do it from memory. I think he says something like, "Science fiction isn't about." And I probably have said this on the podcast before, but again, you know, getting older. I have no memory. Um, Science fiction is not about laser battles in space or alien species invading the planet. Science fiction is about using speculative scenarios as a lens to examine the human condition or something like that. Um, This short story, it's like 40 or 50 pages, is so dense and so well done and so incredibly well thought out that, and you know, I say this knowing that recency bias is a thing, but it's one of the favorite, one of my favorites. I don't know if it's the best one I've read or what, but it's probably in my top 10. It's so fantastic. If you've seen Arrival and you're interested in the source material, which does have, you know, a a significant number of divergences to the film, um, then I really, really recommend you check this out. Um, You know, he literally on the page had to explain to the reader how a different potential species might interpret things like time and language and they might interpret it in a way that no human language does and he has to make that believable and that is such an amazing creative undertaking and he totally pulls it off you know there's like some mental gymnastics that you got to do to get through the read but like very very i would say it's very doable if you're into this kind of stuff, you absolutely, absolutely must check it out. Um, there's also a YouTube page I really want to recommend. I believe it's called Lessons from a Screenplay. I don't know if uh, they are still as active. I think they actually had a podcast for a while. Um, but they covered the screenplay for Arrival. And in it, they also cover how the adaption, adaptation process happened for from the short story to the book and why they changed certain uh, things in the movie that they did just to you know, make it flow from one medium to the next. Um, so check that out. Uh, check out Lessons from a Screenplay. Check out Ted Chang's Story of Your Life. And when you're done all that, um, watch Arrival again. And if you haven't done that yet, maybe start with Arrival and work yourself backwards from there. Okay, um, some quick news. I said this was the last thing. I'm a liar. When left to my own devices, I will fill the space. I'll fill the dead air. I don't care. Um... Yeah, it really wouldn't be a normal podcast if I didn't shit on something. So, um, Dragon Ball, super hero. I don't know what the movie's called. The CGI Dragon Ball movie that they're making. Um, I saw a headline this week that it took like five years to make or that they've been working on it for five years and Toy's making kind of a big gamble on this because as you may or may not know, if you're a big Dragon Ball fan, Dragon Ball Super, the manga is still going and Dragon Ball Super, the anime series, came to a close, and then they did Dragon Ball Super Broly, the movie. Say Dragon Ball Super more. Um, in the movie, uh, Broly, which I think was Toy's best performing animated movie of all time, and it like broke a bunch of records. It was huge in America and in the West as well, as in Japan and all that. That was wildly successful for them, but there was some CG in it, 
Um, but I think it was like very obviously CG. And I, my interpretation was like they ran out of time and or budget to hand draw everything. But even the CG that they did in that, like it was blended fairly well with 2D frames or at least or at least with 2D aspects throughout the film. So it sort of made it more palatable. I think this is similar to what they're doing in maybe the dedicated CG movie that's coming out soon. Um, I've also read that like they're trying to do a similar thing where they're introducing lots of TD like or 2D redraws on top of the CG to try and make it a little bit more natural looking. But I don't know, like I think you'll agree like if you've seen anime and you've or even just regular movies they often try and show you the most beautiful stunning shots in a trailer like you don't have context to know what you're looking at but they'll often show you the big vfx shots um or the big animation shots in the trailer to like hook the audience and this trailer looks stiff as shit it looks like cg like bad cg like it doesn't look good so i don't know what the hell's going on um it's weird to me it, that they're doing this movie after the success of Broly, which had like minimal 3D and was mostly Fantastic 2D. And off, like Dragon Ball Super itself, while inconsistent, also had pretty good animation. Very little of it ever 3D CG. So I, I don't know. I'm uh, very curious to see how this thing performs. You know, from my understanding, it's also like a bit of a slice of life movie that like focuses more on Pan, if you remember that character. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, so brace yourself for that. Two more pieces of news. To Your Eternity, season two, this fall, if you're a fan or a longtime listener of the podcast, um, you'll know that we loved, for the most part, To Your Eternity season one. They got renewal for season two, and it's coming this year, which is faster than I thought. So that, along with Bob Psycho season three, will likely be covered in some way, shape, or form on this podcast. And so will, despite its controversy and the way it makes me feel sometimes, uh, Moshuko Tensei season two, which is coming to, in 2023. I think maybe January or early 2023. I don't know. Um, you know, again, if you're a listener, you know that we mostly liked that one. We had some nitpicks, I, th I think, as did everyone who saw it. Um, but yeah, prepare yourself for lots of coverage, lots of great anime coming. I think that's like it for now. I mean, look at how long the episode length is, and that'll tell you how much, how, how long we go with our surprise guest. Um, so I'm going to pause and set that up. To you, it'll be instant because editing. Like to you, this is past Dave. And then in a moment, it'll be present day. But for me, it's future day because I don't even know how this goes. Remember the whole time loop discussion? Okay, be right back. And we're back. I told you that would be instant for you, but that took a really long time on our end. It's been hours. No, I'm kidding. Okay, guest, introduce yourself. What's your name? I'm Sam. Okay, thanks for joining us. That's <laughs> it for today. No, okay. And you are my foil counterpart. Foil? Partner. Partner. Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Mm, mate. Team. Roommate. Let's, sure. Let's leave, let's leave it up to the audience. It's ambiguous yeah. enough. Yeah. Um, Sam's a longtime listener, first time caller of the podcast, and she's filling in for Grant this week. Um, I've already talked alone in a room for like 27 minutes, which is... Both surprising and not that I was able to fill up That's that much time. That's not surprising. Yeah. You talk to yourself a lot. Look how much the listeners are learning. <laughs> um, okay, we're going to talk about some news. We're going to talk about some shows. Um, Sam and I 
or Sam at my behest, we just wrapped up a Castlevania rewatch of seasons one and two. I've seen it all, as you know. Sam, what did you think of the first two seasons? Um, it was good. Uh, the second season, obviously a lot more action-packed than the mm-hmm. first, which was, what, only three, like f- four Three to four episodes. episodes. Um, but, yeah, the first season was good to, like, get to know who the characters are and understand why the plot is happening as it's happening. Yeah. Um, so that was good, if a little slow. Um, definitely slow at times. I have some pacing issues. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I thought the second season was, was good. Lots of fun fights and new characters doing cool things like the Forge Masters and building the army. The whole night of it, yeah. Yeah. I I think I told you, like, when season two ended, I didn't really see much reason for a season three. Because, spoiler alert, I mean, the show's been out for years, but they killed Dracula in the second season. Yeah, it's pretty final. Yeah, I mean... I mean, besides the... Is it Carmilla or Carmilla? I think it's Carmilla. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I don't know. I, I I don't know. And I mean... I don't know if... Yeah, I think I told you this. They're based off a series of games. And generally speaking, mm-hmm. adapting the games to shows doesn't go great. See The Witcher. But, like... This show is good. But controversial to people who love the games and the books. Okay. Adaptations. I, that's what I mean to say. Adaptations are, like, kind of iffy in that whole genre. But, I, you know, I don't... I didn't finish season two and go, Oh, I can't wait to see what happens with Carmilla. Like, I was like, you yeah. killed Dracula. Yeah. Is anyone else asking for this? And then yeah. I'll be honest and say, I think I, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I did not love season three. Um, no. It's good. But like season two, they fight Dracula. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Is four good? Four's fantastic. <laughs> That's the thing. So like the reason you keep watching is for season four. And in retrospect, like hindsight being what it is, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But season three is, like, really about, like, there is action, but it's really about introducing characters and moving chess pieces so that you just have all gas, no breaks in season Again? four. That's I feel the like thing. there's been a lot of that already. So this is the thing, is that I think the way you should look at it, and people should look at it if they haven't seen them, are season, seasons one and two are definitely pairs, and seasons three and four are definitely pairs. Like, if you watch season three and you're irritated, um, and you're like, uh, you know, I didn't love that, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't watch season four. Because season yeah. three is practically... It's like about getting you ready for four. Yeah. It's like you sense? did all the work for no reward. Yeah, like, it's fine. Like, there is cool shit that happens in season three. But it matters more within the context of season four. Okay. I don't want to believe yeah, that it. point. I will warn the listener. You know, you as you may have picked up, we're cohabitating. And I think on previous episodes, you've heard cats. So in this episode, you may hear cats. And we're not going to edit it out, because that's a lot of work. <laughs> or you Just can... some scratching and meowing. Yeah, yeah, you never know. Yeah, anyway. Um, okay, while we're on... You hear, you hear what I'm... You guys hear that? Anyway, while we're talking about anime, I want to talk to Sam about Attack on Titan. Yes. we've talked, a big one. We've talked about this a lot. As you guys know, let's be honest, most of you are guys, um, that... We started this podcast to cover Attack on Titan. It is, I don't know if it's my favorite anime, but it's probably the biggest um, that we've covered. Um, what? 
You already look like you want to say something. It was in your top five or something of the year. Yeah. Like, it's it's definitely one of the best things I've seen. I think so much hinges on the ending, and we just don't know the ending yet. Yeah. And, like, you can't, in good faith, put some, like, you know what I mean? I, you yeah. can't give it a final score yeah. until you've seen the end. Because, like, there is so much room for them to fuck this up. And it, we still just don't know. There's still just so many question marks. Um, but I've talked on the podcast about how, like, you know, in retrospect, I probably did you dirty. I probably set you up for failure a little bit, making it, like, the first anime you've ever... Was it the first one I showed you? I think so. And here's the thing. Here this we go. Is, this is why I think maybe I wasn't, like, super excited about it, is because you're, like, you were just getting into anime, I think, mm-hmm. right? And you were hyping it up a lot. And to me, like, I had only ever heard of animes being, like, sort of happy, fun cartoon shows. Sailor Moon. Yeah, like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon Mm -hmm. and stuff. So I I knew it wasn't that, but I thought... I didn't think it was going to be so dark. Mm -hmm. And, like, not even a little bit funny. So... You're like, oh, well, this is the best show ever. And I'm like, okay, let's watch. Yeah. And it was just so heavy from the get-go. And I was like kind of waiting maybe for yeah, I mean, I the fun part. In the pilot. <laughs> just didn't, like, didn't come. Yeah, I think, again, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like in the pilot of Attack on Titan, you watch the protagonist's mother get eaten alive. Yeah. Like, I think... My mistake, and if you're like a really big anime fan and you want to show it to people that are close to you, um, I think that my main lesson there is just setting people's expectations properly. Yeah, a little bit of context. Like, I didn't even know what the show yeah. was about at all. And and another one is, like, you should probably not tell someone, and this is like the big one, I think. One, context, obviously. Two, if this thing is like the best thing since sliced bread, don't tell that to people who haven't seen it yet. Like, yeah. you can't say, hey, going into this, this is going to be a 10 for you. And I don't know if I was that bad, but I was pretty bad. Like, if, you know, think about your favorite movie, listener, and then like, think about someone close to, to you who you want to show it to them. You don't tell them going in, this is my favorite movie, it changed my life, it's going to do that for you too. Mm-hmm. That's probably the error. The error. Like... Don't show mm-hmm. someone an out-of-context snippet of, like, fucking Levi versus the Beast Titan when they have no idea. Yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I remember, like, getting excited and being like, oh, this episode's really gonna do it for you. Like, I should've just shut my mouth just said, hey, this is heavy and dark. It's not funny. It's considered artsy. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. That would've been the better move. Yeah. But, anyways, we're gonna finish it. Where, yeah. Where am I now? Sam is... The middle of season... The beginning of season four? Sam is... Middle of the beginning. Yeah, well, because season, season four is four. a... Sh- middle of season four, part one, maybe? Part two. Yeah, no, you're like... Because um, they're fucking... Seasons are such a mess, right? Season four, part one, and two, and then they're doing some part three coming out in 2023. You're halfway through part two. So, okay. like, Sam has seen... Almost caught up. Yeah, you like Sam has seen some of the biggest reveals in the entire series and arguably like anime history, like the time loop thing, um, which was like such a huge deal. But we've taken such a long break in between episodes and I had put all these expectations on you for watching it that like probably didn't really hit the way it should have. 
That's okay. I forgive you. Thank you. Um, so we'll get around <laughs> to finishing it. And then obviously, you know, before you came on, I was talking about what we'll cover in the future, whether it's week to week. There's so much cool shit coming on. We haven't mentioned Attack on Titan in a little while, but that's coming probably early 2023. Probably safe to say we'll be covering that on this podcast in some way, shape, or form, whether it's a weekly thing or a post-show thing. But that's how this podcast started, so it probably makes sense for us to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think we should talk about The Boys. Yes. First things first. And I would like to preface this conversation by calling out you and Grant. Mm-hmm. And this um, is pretty bad. And I'm sure your listeners were outraged, as outraged as I was when I when I heard this. You know what? You might be the only one because I don't think <laughs> any other listener will have the overlap of knowledge. No, I'm sure someone out there does. Go ahead. So, a couple Just issuing a correction. A couple podcasts ago, you and Grant were talking about the boys and specifically talking about the deep. And oh, he's so great. This actor is so funny. Does it so well. Uh, I think this is his breakout role. Like, I've never (laughs) seen him in anything else. And I just would like to correct you and say he played Nate Archibald in Gossip Girl for, like, however long it was on, 10 years. He was, like, the biggest heartthrob of the early 2000s. And you just didn't know that. I will admit Gossip Girl a little bit in my blind spot, but even I'm not so unaware as to say that I haven't heard of Gossip Girl. Yeah, it you was know who's a, in it. It was a global phenomenon. Exactly. Never seen an episode, but it's hard to get away from Gossip Girl. It is yeah, huge. Yeah, I've only seen like one season. But so. Yeah, anyways. Point taken. He is a careered actor. Yeah. Um, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Oops moment. It seems like a couple actors that have had like really big success elsewhere are also getting a lot of love right now on Gossip Girl. Jensen Ackles? Jensen Eccles? The guy who plays Soldier Boy. Not on Gossip Girl, on The no. Boys. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I, I meant like, on The Boys. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. He... From Supernatural. Did you see that ever? I watched, uh, again, I think the first season Never of saw it. it. It's good. I think the dude that show runs, Aaron Kripke, that's actually his last name, Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he show ran all of oh. Supernatural, and he show runs The Boys, oh. and so that's how that. Did he show run Gossip Girl? They are all CW shows. Oh, really? Supernatural and Gossip Girl. Go figure. Probably not, but small world. That's mm-hmm. it. so. That's how Jensen, what's his face, got the role. One thing about him that I noticed, and maybe it's because Supernatural is from when he was in his twenties, and now he's in his forties. I think it's that old, but anyways. In the boys, his voice is so much deeper than normal. Or like he it's must hard. be doing something. It, it's definitely performative because he's yeah. doing that like yeah. This is being a soldier. Yeah. Like he's doing that whole yeah thing. But, but like it works with like his beard. Yes. And he did get jacked for the role, and yes. like, um, and like the drug abuse. Like he's just a rough motherfucker. Yeah, for sure. So we're gonna talk about the boys in detail, and. Like, there's just so much going on with the show that, and I want to talk about a few things specifically. So this is a spoiler warning, you know. Up until episode seven, episode. Yeah. yeah, which is the penultimate episode of the series. So, you know, it's currently running show. It's a big spoiler warning. I'll try to remember to mention this in the intro. We're like 40 minutes in, so it starts now. But I want to talk about stuff from 
pretty much up to date up until the seventh episode. Finale's next week. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, so that's mm-hmm. a spoiler warning. I've given you enough of a break that we're going to get into it now. Um, is this like, it's not Game of Thrones levels of popular, but is yeah. it like having a moment in pop culture where it's like, it feels like more people are watching this than not watching it? Or is it like, I don't know. See, I feel like no one I interact with has seen it. Yeah, it's not... But what is... Okay, let me phrase it this way. It seems to be far-reaching the way Game of Thrones was. Like, I talked to Grant about it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I all like I also know that, like, people I work with or, um, like, I, I, I don't know. I know, like, the, so there are 55-year-old white women that I know that are watching this whether it's through family or friends or whatever. Like, it just seems mm-hmm. to be, like... Did you recommend it to them? No, that's the thing, <laughs> is that, like, I think people love how grotesque and R-rated it is. Yeah, it, I can't really chime in, because I don't really know who is watching it. So I think it, I think the show is fucking huge. Um, eight Emmy nominations the last two seasons, zero wins. Hmm. I think... The way season three is going, I think they're going to clean clean up. And I'm not saying they're going to win every category, but I think that they're going to catch a couple. Did they get um, nominations for lead or supporting actors? Like for any of the acting? None or just like... like Outstanding drama, outstanding, uh, special effects, yeah, okay. sound editing a lot. Because I was wondering like who would be nominated from an actor. Anthony it's... Starr plays Homelander. That guy is fucking good. Yeah. But I feel like he's had more screen time than ever this season. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me ask you this, because I think part of the conversation right now, whether it's for good or bad, is the show is very political. Yes. Would you say this is its most political season to date? Yes, because, mainly because of the introduction of, um, what's her name, Victoria? Victoria Newman? Like the congresswoman? Yeah. She's only started in this season, right? Uh, no, she Did was she? popping heads in season two. But, but, maybe bigger cause, role this season. Maybe because I just binged everything, it's all... Oh, that's true. ...mushing in my head. Um, but, like, to your point, it does feel like, you know, I asked that question knowing my answer, and my answer is, this is definitely the most political season. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it... Like, one thing about the boys, for better or for worse, and I think why it's has wide appeal is there's not necessarily a ton of nuance like they look in the camera <laughs> and do the thing you know what i mean yeah. like they are very honest and on the nose about a lot of this shit yeah and i love that it's just so satirical <sighs> about politics these days and i saw an article that um people who were like siding with homelander during his you know <laughs> yeah. his speeches at, and um and Blue Hawk, when he was, like, apologizing to the yeah. black community. I mean, that was so, like, how do you, like, that's so extremely political. And then he's saying, like, no all lives matter, uh, yeah, no he's... soup lives matter. Yeah. And I saw that people just didn't, weren't clued in that this was satire, and they're like, yeah, yeah this, they're right. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you not I mean, realize what show you're watching? Or... The, the lady, what's her name, the lady that plays the congresswoman, um... 
I don't know if her, Victoria Newman. That's the character name. Yeah. So clearly modeled after AOC. Yes. Right. Like yeah. even the look, like every, it just feels like she's very specifically after that. Even the you know Ashley, like I'm not gonna go through every single character, but what I will say is that in season three, every character that gets a decent amount of screen time is having such an arc. Like they've all yeah. been through so much at this point in a show that only has eight episodes per season. But yeah, like, on the politics thing, like, even Ashley, kind of in the most recent episode, you know, sort of berating or pandering to A-Train after he goes through what he goes through. Mm-hmm. A couple episodes before that, she's like, A-Train, Black Lives Matter is my favorite hashtag. Yeah. Like, they, they, like that's what I'm saying when I say, like, it, there's not a lot of nuance. Yeah. Like, they're very specific, and I think that's for better or for worse. I think a lot of people are like, you know, I'm kind of trying to watch TV to get away from this. But at the same time, it's like, it's kind of nice to have something so topical. And like, and the fact that it's R-rated. That yeah. they can just pull any, like, they're not pulling any punches as far as this stuff goes. Yeah, like, I've never seen, like, effects that grotesque and, like, showing you the full <laughs> action of someone being punched through their body, for example. Like, yeah. I've never seen that in any show or movie. They do... It feels like they do more corpse explosion stuff yeah. than maybe I've ever seen. Yeah, um, ever. They, you know, we mention them on this podcast all the time, but if you're interested in that kind of stuff, check out Corridor Crew or Corridor Digital. They do VFX and stunt breakdowns, and they've done a ton on the boys. And, like, it's it's amazing the level of shit that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of that, the boys being topical and on the nose... I wanted to bring up is in episode six, they did a parody of the um, when celebrities did that Imagine Dude. <laughs> compilation. Dude, that's and they so got fucking funny. Some of the celebrities who actually did it in Dude. real life. Wasn't Patton Oswalt in both? Yeah, and Rose Byrne. Um, I was laughing so hard. I can't believe they did that. I can't that believe they did so that. so funny. Like, I, I mean, I appreciate the self-awareness on the on the part of the celebrities who did both. Because that mm-hmm. was a tough look. Like, mm-hmm. that was so... That was one of the more... And, you know, we don't get super political on this podcast. But, you know, we're talking about the boys and it being political. That was just one of the more unaware, tone-deaf things that I've seen celebrity culture do. Yeah. And you know what it's similar to? It's similar to like the Pepsi commercial where yeah. is it Kendall Jenner? Yeah. Kylie? Kendall Jenner fixes racism with a yeah. Pepsi or some shit. And they did that in the boys. <laughs> like I you know, when we list them one by one, and all these things have happened in this season. Like there's even a in episode seven, there's like a whole pronoun bit with um Yeah. And <laughs> we did say spoiler warning. One of the funniest, like I feel like there's so much fish humor of people fucking uh, with the deep and deep yeah. fucking with sea yeah. life. <laughs> but there's a octopus threesome scene, yeah. which is just so on brand. <laughs> I loved every minute of it. Yeah. I That dude, do you remember his name? The guy, the Gossip Girl guy? Mm-hmm. Um, Chase Crawford is his name. The way that he, because like here, like, you know, we talk about comedy and the way it should hit a lot of the time. Like, a lot of the time, the reasons why this stuff is so funny, like, if you think of, like, what we do in the shadows or, like, that type of humor, 
is when the actor plays it straight, they have to believe that what mm-hmm. they're saying, they really believe it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the way Chase Crawford or the Deep's character, like, is so serious when he's oh. talking to fish. He's or, so serious. <laughs> or when he's or when he's having sex with one, like, is so goddamn funny. Yeah. Or like when Homelander made him eat that oh octopus. He's, like, he's begging for his life. I couldn't even want to watch that. He has children. That was disgusting. Anyway, that guy's performance is so fantastic. And the threesome thing, I think his wife says, how long have you been fucking it? And he goes, first of all, it's not an it. It's a she. Get your pronouns right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. They do tons of that shit. Anyway, it's, um, yeah, all of that to say, it's it's obviously political, but I, it just feels so topical yeah. and fun. Yeah. I don't, like, you know, I don't know. I don't, oh, when the ahead. soldier boy, um was saying oh like bill cosby he's america's dad (laughs) fuck that guy made some strong drinks he says that too (laughs) and then i think huey's character is a lot to unpack there (laughs) like that i don't know that shit was so funny i you know i think that to me is when comedy's doing it right like you're not supposed to sit there and be like oh i agree with this or i don't it's just funny yeah um Uh, and then, like, you know, it's not all that. Like, in early in the season, in the first half of the season, Kimiko's character murders people with five different dildos. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another thing that can only happen in this show. Or at yeah. least we're only used to seeing in this show. Yeah. It's a unique combination of funny, drama, action, but the story's also progressing, but the characters are also yeah. having their arcs. It's good. I'm not gonna ruin every moment, though. I'm I'm really tempted to, but like another one that was so clearly a statement and was like one of my favorite moments was Soldier Boy, um, killing the priest and the nun. Oh my god! Yeah. Do you think they actually were under? I think so, and I think like that that was supposed to be mental gymnastics for the audience. Like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. Because Huey often is. Huey's character feels like the audience a lot of the time. He's just witnessing yeah. things, and he's sort of the straight, regular guy, and he's, yeah. like, acting how mo- maybe the majority of people might act. And he's like, okay, maybe this is a little far, like, they're innocent people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're just meant to think that, like, this crazed, PTSD, drugged-out murderer is, like, just going too far. But I think that's, like, the, you know, in the 1% chance, in this instance, he's totally right. Yeah. I think that's the way I interpreted it. But anyway, like, it's just, let me use this word. I never get to use this word. It's a cornucopia of hilarious, wow. violent pop culture. Yes. Agreed. Um, Great show. I'm really enjoying it. I, I don't know, like, like, frankly, I'm, I feel like I'm falling out of touch a little bit with Emmy stuff. I felt that way really a lot this year with the Oscars. Not because it, I felt a certain way about it, but like, because I just hadn't seen a lot of the stuff. Yeah, I so like, I don't know what the boys season three is going to go up against, but I just feel like it's having a really big moment right now. I don't know. It's cool to have their latest season be their strongest because it definitely is. Is there going to be season four? Do we know yet? I, I don't know. That's not to say that they haven't already done it. Um, I know that they are creating an in-universe spinoff on Amazon Prime. It's like mm-hmm. a college dorm thing of people that exist in this universe. So, like, my guess is that it's, like... I think it might be where they send people in their late... Te- it's, I think it might be, like, college for 
people who are going to grow up to be soups. Oh, okay. So probably, like, tons of, like, raunchy sex and violence. Okay. With people who have powers. I don't know if that's, like, still a thing, but I know they announced that, like, six months ago. Mm. So maybe that's in production. And there's a cartoon. Yeah, also in the same... I uh, haven't seen it, but... Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, that was The Boys. Um, appreciate the correction on The Anytime. Deep. Anytime. Okay. Um, there's a couple pieces of news. I I mean, this is... I don't, I don't think either of us are going to feel a lot about this, but I thought it was interesting. They're doing a Hercules movie, live, a, live adaptation, because you know those work really mm-hmm. well. Guy Ritchie's doing it. Mm-hmm. He did The Gentleman. He did the, the Aladdin live action, which, like, is this really to go back, Guy, to go back to for another live action? I don't know. Isn't he, like, Madonna's husband or something? I don't know. He's someone's husband. He did the Sherlock Holmes movies with Robert Downey Jr. I don't know if those were good or not. I like them. Yeah? They haven't cast Hercules yet. I feel like that'll be, like, the big thing. Ooh, who'd be a good Hercules? I'm so old, I was going to say Eric Bana. And I forgot that Eric Bana is, like, fucking 60. Yeah. Um, Maybe not. Well, I think Hercules has to be young. That's the problem. Yeah. Oh, and, like, maybe they'll do... I'm thinking out loud. Maybe they'll do, like, that thing they did with Chris Evans in the first Captain America, where they mm. shrink your head and they put it on a skinny Small actor's body. Because yeah. there there, I'm assuming there's going to be a small to big transformation. Or just like a teen to an yeah. adult. Yeah, here's the thing. is like, like, we could probably have more fun with who plays adult Hercules, but I'm just so out of the loop with yeah. young actors. Like, just fucking, is Tim, Timothy Chalamet just going to do everything? There's always Tom Holland. Yeah, no, God, <laughs> enough Tom Holland. Yeah, I, know. I don't know. I can't think of, I don't know Yeah, we're enough. not in the know. Anyway, so that's that's a piece of news. And another one that I, I feel like I have to mention, because I just it's hard to get away from it right right now, is James Cameron and more fucking Avatar news. Okay. As a re- I would qualify you as a regular casual movie watcher. You're not in the you're not at the theater for every blockbuster, but you yeah. see like probably what, three, four movies in theaters a year before the yeah, pandemic? Probably more, but yeah. Something, yeah. Yeah. Um as a quote regular person. Mm-hmm. Are you scale of one to ten? How excited are you for Avatar two? Have you thought Five. a lot about it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what do you say? You're meh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would see it in theaters, but I'm not like racing there. Haven't thought about it once at all. Yeah. Grant is a defender of James Cameron, so I won't do him too dirty. While Grant's not here to defend him, but I, what I will say is that James Cameron sucks. No, okay. <laughs> And I hate him. Um, no, but I'll... I don't know. Here's here's what I know. As of July 2020, the plan was to release Avatar 2, I think, in 2022 or 2023. Avatar 3 in 2024. Avatar 4 in 2026. And Avatar 5 in 2028. They already planned to do yes. 5? And he and he's saying he may not direct all 5. Like, he, I don't... Like, I want to see Avatar 2... Because he's saying, like, oh, all these people, like me, these like-minded, logical people are like, hey, James, why did you do one movie however many years ago, and now you've planned four sequels that have taken you a decade to get off the ground? Mm -hmm. And he's all like, and his response is like, Avatar 2 is going to make people shut the fuck up. Like, he literally, that's his quote. You know, to give context, 
Avatar 1 is the highest grossing worldwide. When you correct for inflation, it is the highest grossing movie worldwide box office. It was it made $2.84 billion when it was released. But it was released like with, with the launch of 3D. It was like the first 3D movie. So I think yeah. people were obviously also a little excited about that. Yeah. I mean, even if Avatar 2 is half as, as successful, it still does over a billion dollars. I don't know if it's half as successful, but what I do know is that I'm not itching to go see it. It's coming out soon? Soon-ish. I don't know, this year maybe? Early next? This is a movie that I'm going to wait to see reviews on, and then, I'll maybe, and then maybe I'll go. I would go. Grant's probably like, I already got my tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I'll anyway. go with Grant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, last thing we're going to talk about, we can close on this, Barry. Season three. What are we? We're on episode four of Barry, right? Yeah. Season three, episode four. Yeah. So spoilers up to the episode four. The one we four. just watched was called All the Sauces, right? All the Sauces. Um, Barry's over. The season is done. And I believe they're either done or writing season four right now. So it is guaranteed for another season. Um, I'll ask you this. Is it fair to say this is by far the darkest season they've done? The darkest in terms of, like, Barry's mental state, yeah. I feel like there hasn't been too much gore Good this point. season. Yeah. Um, but again, like the boys, I just watched season two, so season two and three are kind of merging in my head. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think his, like, mental state is super dark. It's like definitely unraveling. It feels like we had like Barry was a morally gray character through seasons one and two. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. I mean, in but season still likable, which is funny, right? It's kind of like the Breaking Bad effect, which you're not familiar with because you haven't seen it. But mm-hmm. a big part of Breaking Bad in the journey is watching a likable protagonist degrade until maybe the audience by the end of it is rooting against them to get yeah. caught to be brought to justice because they've done so many deplorable things. In season one, Barry gets his innocent... He kills his innocent friend who was a veteran because he brought him to a job that went wrong. And then he realized the guy was going to, you know, rat him out to his wife. And so he yeah. had to kill... Like, so yeah. there are shades of gray. Well, not gray. I mean, that's just straight up fucked up. Already that early. Yeah. Well, I was team Barry up until Janice. Like I, I could forgive Finale of season one. I could forgive the other murders. Yeah, he's just but like a like, guy trying to make it. <laughs> yeah. I think what's different and the elephant in the room, uh, when I'm thinking about Barry, or the elephant in my brain, is like this domestic abuse angle that the show is taking. Yeah. I um, will say up until the most recent episode, which was four. Yeah. Right? Um I never liked Sally's character. Like, she had her moments of being, like, funny and yeah. great actor, but, like, I always thought she was just, like, had a facade, but was kind of fake. And then in this most recent episode, that this was the first time that I was like, oh, I'm Team Sally yeah. over Barry. Yeah, I mean, he, like, here's the thing, and I think the actress who plays her, actor, whatever, that plays her is so good. And she plays her perfectly. It's, it, like, it's kind of... The character is just a little bit unlikable. Well, that's the thing, yeah, because the character is so clearly self-obsessed and shallow and out for herself. 
I just feel like everybody has met a girl like this, and mm-hmm. I'm sure she's nice, mm-hmm. right? I'm sure she's nice to get along with, but the way you, when you see the way she treats people, and the way she just cuts them off mid-sentence, because now it's my turn to speak, or, like, they, they, I mean, you know, again, the actor's doing such a great job, but, like, they have to write that. They have to mm-hmm. write her cutting people. Like, that's mm-hmm. just so good. I can't get over how well-written that character is, but to your point, yeah, as a person, I never liked her. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're doing this thing where the protagonist of the whole show is like turning into maybe a bit of an abuser. Yeah. And you sort of see his point of view as fucked up as that is, but you're also not okay with it. Mm -hmm. Like they're taking us to a very weird place. Yeah. He's like, Barry's going over the line. Like, like I said, we were, he was a great protagonist and we were all like on his side and then he's all of a sudden rationalizing holding his teacher hostage like to him it makes sense to him like he's doing something good and he can make it up he can make up murdering the guy's girlfriend yeah by getting him a role in a show and by giving his family money like yeah so to that point i remember the first time i saw that i was like okay well this feels like a jump you know Mm -hmm. and i think that to give barry the show a bit of credit Maybe it's a jump, or maybe it's just a big step, because to our point earlier, Barry has been doing fucked up shit since day one. In the episode, in the pilot episode, he kills a stranger for money. You know what I mean? He's clearly a guy who has a very rough relationship with trauma and violence, PTSD, and maybe potentially a sociopath, and all that stuff. So, like, the fact that he did that, while maybe, like, a big step in a certain direction, it's not crazy. It's not out of this world Mm -hmm. because it's still the same guy. Yeah. So I don't know where this goes, but what I will say is I love that the show is clearly challenging the viewer. Yeah. It's like, this isn't supposed to be easy to watch. This isn't fucking Dexter. You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, he's a bad guy, but he kills the other bad guy, so I'm on his side. Mm -hmm. There's none of that. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think a couple episodes ago, I said to Grant, I was like, this is just Dexter on steroids. It's a billion times better. It's more engaging. It's This is a very challenging watch. And Sally looks like Rita. (laughs) Yes, she does. Yeah. Good point. Um... I think in my notes, and I think I may have mentioned this in the last one, um, to Grant... Does this feel like, you know, Sam and I have this thing where I would bother the shit out of her a lot early on watching stuff, and I'd say, that's a great shot. That's a great shot. And mm-hmm. she, for my birthday one year, she bought me a shot glass that said, that's a great shot on it. Yeah. Um, great gift by me. Fantastic. But I think, do you feel like the filmmaking is better this episode? If you're unaware, I think... Bill Hader directs the majority of these mo- these episodes in season three, and he will all of them in season four. Mm. Um, sure. <laughs> okay, so it's not sc- it's not screaming out to you. Well, that's not my 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 thing. You're not sorry, that's not what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're definitely more aware of that. I I just watch it for the story. Yeah. Like, obviously, it looks great. I mean, but to me. It's a really good looking show. Yeah, like I, I, I'm not sitting there and like pointing out specific frames like yeah. you. Yeah, I just, I wanted to mention that because I think in episode four, um, there, there's a great, when Barry 
when Barry's walking through the parking lot to pick up the bomb, the way the camera mm, just follows yeah. him. I just remember loving that shot. Yeah. And then in episode one, I think it, there's a time skip between seasons two and three, and I think like they do a wonder on Sally's character on her show, just showing how busy she is. She's like walking through the set. People are coming up to her being like, oh, what about this? And she's like, no, that's fine. It's like this. Oh, and they just yeah. follow her all in one take. And yeah. I was like, holy shit. I thought you were going to talk about her monologue. I forget what season. But remember she like... Oh, you mean the episode we just watched at the premiere of her show? No. When she's on stage doing her monologue thing about her like trauma. Oh, the abuse thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that was good too. Yeah. Just... Um, just, yeah, the performances that they're getting out of her are so good. Henry Winkler, gold. Yeah. Um, it's like kind of a bummer to see his character, even though he's like, you know, they're really playing up that, like, Kuzanow has pissed off everybody in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, he's still, I think, just such a warm dude and he's just lost so much, but I don't know. I hope no. I'm curious to see where this whole thing between him and Fuchs and Barry yeah. and Cousineau go. I don't know. I hope he's like in it a bit more and more kind of himself. Yeah. Somehow. Okay. Well, you know what? I, I we were saying like we're gonna struggle to find the time, but I think we found the time. I think this is yeah. a good good place to call it. Yeah. Okay. Did you have fun? Yeah, this is great. First experience on the yeah. podcast. There you go. It was great. I was really nervous, and mm. it was just. A fun little chat. See, and now I know for sure you'll listen to this one. Yes, I will. (laughs) And then I'll hate the sound of my voice. (laughs) No. Okay, (laughs) you did great. Everybody tell us you did great. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Um, You know, it's a busy time of year, summer, life. Lots is going on, as I may or may not have mentioned in the intro of this podcast. Grant is with child, so that's why he's not here today. Um, he might be here next week, but even if he is, I might not be because like I said, it's fucking summer and there's life and there's stuff, but I promise we're going to reunite. We're going to have a very thorough discussion on Kenobi, the finale, Grant's thoughts. I'm aching to know what he thinks about that whole thing. Um, him and I will cover the boys and its finale. And lastly, I know that you're clamoring for it. We're going to do, we're going to do. A standalone series review on Neon Genesis Evangelion. I took 5,000 words of notes on that fucking thing when I watched it. It's absurd. The amount of resources out there um, just to wrap your mind around the show. There's wikis, for God's sakes. There's YouTube documentaries about it. I saw a YouTube video on Crunchyroll with over 3 million views called uh, Neon Genesis 37 Timelines Explained. I watched that shit. All right. I've seen, I've, I've been through to the other side and this series has changed me. So I'm going to review it with Grant. We just have to find the time, but it will happen and it will happen sooner rather than later. If you've listened this long, thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.